midday conversation. This segment is called the African, not African inside, but it's called the selling point and is brought to us by Sabelo Makubo, who has made sure that we get this segment uh, going. Thank you so much for staying with us. And uh, if you are on the DSTV channel 888, I will see you if otherwise you are online. That is Ubuntu uh, Radio.com. Uh, thank you for joining us there uh, on the social media platforms. If you want to interact or follow us, uh, we are on all uh, thing, all uh, social media platforms. We are um, Ubuntu Radio ZA. If you search for Ubuntu Radio ZA, you should be able to uh, get hold of us and talk to us about uh, some of the things uh, that you want to engage us on. But in this show, as we normally say, it's called The Selling Point. And this selling point is about uh, putting a spotlight on some of the remarkable uh, entrepreneurs and their journeys of uh, their business successes. We really want to uncover the strategies and principles that have propelled them to success as they are. And this segment really unravels their innovative approaches and disruptive ideas and unique business models that have allowed them to thrive in challenging environment. I think uh, you'll all agree that we are under challenging environment. And if you have uh, people that are still out there doing business, employing others and doing good for the community, uh, they really deserve a spotlight that um, uh, they should be uh, you know, we should let the world know about some of the good work that they do. So we, we're talking here from uh, grassroots startups uh, to established enterprises. Uh, we, you know, really want to explore uh, their diverse range of industries and want to explore the sectors in the African business operation on how do we as Africans think about business and how we um, uh, propel and succeed in what we do. Uh, we also delve into some details on some of the underlying factors that contribute to the resilience of their businesses. And this speaks to how uh, they manage to operate in such trying condi conditions. I will also explore how they navigate through these obstacles and adapt to challenging market dynamics and overcome the unique challenges that they do face. As I said, today we are joined by one of the entrepreneurs. Uh, for me, what's interesting about this conversation today is that uh, we'll talk about it a bit later, of course, uh, but is that on Wednesday, I think it was a Wednesday, uh, we celebrated in South Africa a Women's Day, uh, a Women's Day. We'll talk about it uh, towards the uh, tail end of this show. But it's, you know, when you celebrate a Women's Day and you talk to a, a woman, you know, and you hear the great things that they do, you really think that, you know, all the sweats and tears of our, the generation that fought for this day or this freedom, they didn't go, really go to waste. So for me, it's really heartwarming and it's something that we really need to applaud and really look, need to do more in uh, profiling these uh, remarkable women. So the lady that we're talking to, let me just let you a little bit into her world, uh, is uh, she's a founder of, I think, a Catch Creations. Uh, Catch Creations, it's a, a carpentry business that was founded by this remarkable lady in 2019. The business uh, transformed from 
um, originating in Val. I think Val is somewhere. She'll tell us about where Val is, but I think Val is uh, in the other side of Johannesburg. Uh, so they started in a, in a garage uh, in Val there. It's a beautiful story to a specialist in the joinery, uh, you know, BIC services, as well as custom furnitures. Uh, the uh, Evolved Workshop is uh, headquartered currently in Boxback and caters for residential, corporate and hospital hospitality needs. A, a highlight includes its collaboration with, uh, say, American Embassy uh, Art Space in Pretoria, which showcase its, showcased its uh, craft pieces. Uh, in addition to what they've done, uh, they've partnered with Imaging Black uh, businesses like Daki Apparel, uh, you know, with uh, dedication to imaging uh, craftsmanships and innovation, uh, uh, what we call uh, today it's known as catch creations, really exemplifies uh, excellence. So joining us on the line today is the founder, I think it's the, also the CEO of this uh, beautiful initiative that started in the garage and is now doing great things uh, in this in the country and uh, in the continent. Uh, her name is Tung Tung. Uh, Tung Tung Naming is with us on the line. Uh, Tung Tung, thank you for joining us. Hi, Vusi. Thank you so very much for having me. As I said, uh, we, we are so glad to have you in a Women's Day week. A happy Women's Day to you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you. You're most welcome. And look, for, for me, it's, as I said, when the we talk to young, I'm not sure how old you are. If you want, you can tell us your age. I'm still young. I fall under the youth band, so I'm still young. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. So when we talk to young women in these times and you're doing remarkable things, I should emphasize that, uh, that saw you from moving to a garage to uh, a global stage, uh, if, if I may, it's really inspiring mm-hmm. and it really speaks to a different, um, if I use your, your, your industry, a different uh, type of a wood cut from a special wood that you are. And, and tell us a little bit about why are we here today? What what drove you to start from the garage to where you are? And maybe just who's Tung Tung, in fact? Okay. So Tung Tung is a young lady. Um, if I take it as far back as possible, I'll say I was born on a cold winter's day in 19... 19- I'm kidding. I won't go that far back. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> feel, feel free. Feel childhood. free. <laughs> Well, um, I grew up in and around Gauteng um, in different places. Um, finished school, went to university, studied my BCom in economics and finance, double major at WITS, and really just a necessity degree. It wasn't anything I had planned to do or wanted to do. In fact, it was what was available when I went to apply. So that's what I fell into. Yeah. Um, then went and worked for one of South Africa's big banks. So got in through a graduate program, worked my way up, had a six-year history in corporate, um, ended up as a wealth manager. But I'll say at different time points, I felt unaligned, hmm. unaligned in terms of my purpose, in terms of 
what I envisioned my daily life being and feeling what I need to feel, you know, to be fulfilled in what I do. So as a breakaway, I would do DIY projects. So I loved um, creating and just mastering different skills to create different pieces. So this was actually an outlet from um, my corporate job. Mm. So it got to a point, I think, where a lot of people who make the jump from corporate into entrepreneurship would feel that nudge and, you know, slowly you just shove it away, but it builds as time goes where it built to a point that I couldn't deny it anymore and I left. Didn't really have a plan (laughs) as to what I would do, but I just felt like, you know, I need to realign myself. Went and first thing I thought, I have a hobby. I enjoy this. It's a passion. Let me see what I can do to actually make it um, my daily bread. Went and studied carpentry. Um, one of two women within the whole establishment, but the very first person to do the machines and to volunteer. So I even um, got an award at the end of it as the top student within the institution. Um, let, let's pause a bit well, there. Let, let's pause a bit, a bit there. <laughs> you, yeah, never mind. I can is this one is the one. <laughs> yeah. You, you say you are the you are the first woman. You are the first one of the first women in carpentry. Is that what you you, you said? Just to to no 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 at the institution itself. Oh, the 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 craft because it's a very male dominated industry. Definitely, um, yeah. So yeah, us ladies, I guess we paint our nails, wear heels, and yeah, makeup. Yeah, but yeah. That wasn't my interest at all. So <laughs> I went the other way. Then I found myself starting the business in 2019, started off um, in my mom's garage. And before before um, before we go to before we go to business, sorry to, to do this to you, mm-hmm. um uh, Ting Ting. It, it's quite a fascinating story and I really want us to get into it. Um you okay. you, you speak about you speak about purpose. Um, mm. you went and, and worked for a bank and later on you realized that it's not aligning with your purpose. How, mm. how, how, what was the process of you really uh, seeing your misalignment with your purpose and mm. how, how did you identify that? I think it's something that most of us, we often struggle with. How do you arrive at mm. that decision? So I think the first thing primarily is knowing yourself as a person um, being in tune with your characteristics, being in tune with your dislikes, your likes, and experiencing the the corporate job that I was in at the time was an environment. If you if you think of banks, it's very um, mono directional, very routine orientated, you know, very structured, very, you know, yeah. what do they say? Suit and tie type of environment. Yeah. So at heart, I think I've always been a creative. I mean, even growing up, I enjoyed things like arts and craft at school, even though academically I was strong, but I had more interest in my eyes lit up a lot more when I was creating things and making things, you know? Mm. So the, the, the banking environment was nothing like that at all. Um, so I couldn't click into that um, part of me and it didn't really feed that part of me, which I think is a bigger part than anything else that um, my makeup uh, is made out of. So 
that's, I think, the key thing when you realize what your passion is. It's firstly being able to identify um, who you are as a person. So I've always been able to do that, that very well. So it, it was easy to know that this is misalignment mm. and I need to now try something else. So look, we, we don't, we don't often don't, people say we don't eat passion. Uh, and here you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here you are, Tung Tung. You forgo a very, I would assume, um, lucrative yeah. income as a wealth very manager. Very cushiony, very, very, yeah, very comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and and you're not scared to to jump over and follow this person, no. not even sure if it's going to work out or not. And and talk oh, to the us. Fear, the fear has been there. Yeah. The fear has been there. So, so what I've learned is don't afraid. I think a lot of times you wait for things to align and things to be perfect. And one thing that entrepreneurship is, is it's not perfect at all. Mm. And it takes the commitment. I mean, I had a conversation with someone else the other day about how when you start a business, so most people either started out of passion or you started out of just the pure profit and just having it make money. But what I've found in my personal journey is that when the trials and tribulations and the journey and the road gets tough, which it always does, yeah, um, you need an anchor. And my anchor has been that I am passionate about what I do. Hmm. So... It's been able to hold me down and not just say, oh, uh -uh, this is not what I signed up for. I had a way better life before, you know, let me just go back to that because now this is not happening. Mm. So, yeah, Uh, passion in as much as you do say we don't eat it. Yeah, we don't. And (laughs) um, a lot of people don't find themselves in um, positions where they're able to pursue those passions because of the necessity of having a financial um, security. Mm. But... I think more and more the world is opening up where the traditional jobs and forms of making money are, are slowly being eroded. Yeah. So passion kind of does pay <laughs> more and more so. Yeah. And and talk to us about the moment you submit your resignation letter and Ooh. you're now going to a garage not not setting up for the future take us through that experience and uh, now you can build to so, how it started yeah so i had conversations with um people around me that you know i want to maybe try something and leave my job and apart from one person being my husband everyone else was like no no my mom the most sternest of uh, people against my decision to do that. Mm. Yeah. But I, I typed out that letter. I think I kept it for about a week before I actually sent it through. Because um, there just comes a point when where you, you, you realize that, yes, if I stay, I am not happy. And if I'm not happy, what's, what's, what's it for? You know, can I say I'll hold off until 60? And then life will begin then with pension money or whatever it is. Like, it just didn't make any sense for me. It was, if the money is gone, but if the happiness comes and the growth comes in it, then it's worth it. It's a life lived, which, which, yeah, which made sense for me. 
So yeah, I sent that and went to the very space of the person who mm. denied, who wouldn't, who didn't want me to do the job. Yeah. To actually start this thing. So yeah. Sure. Tough decision, but necessary decision. Exactly. No, that's, that's, that could be, that should be tough, uh, without any yeah. shade of a doubt. Uh, we are joined online by, uh, Tung Tung Naming, who's the CEO and founder of Cash Creations. We're going to cross over to a break. And when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Tung Tung Naming. Are you planning to travel outside South Africa soon on business or for leisure? Please remember that South African citizens are not exempted from the legislation of the countries they will be visiting and they will not receive special treatment because they are visitors to a foreign country. This message was brought to you by Ubuntu Radio in partnership with Durko Consular Services. Ubuntu Radio, South Africa's public diplomacy in action. In action. From Pretoria to Lagos, Nairobi, Lusaka, Accra, Luanda, Ubuntu is the common thread that links all. This is Charles Ngakula, South Africa's High Commissioner to Mozambique. I listen to Ubuntu Radio. A product of the Department of International Relations and Cooperation South Africa. This is the Midday Conversation. Thank you for joining and staying with us. And you are still listening to Vusi Maupa on the selling point. Uh, we just had a preliminary or a prelude in our conversation with uh, the founder of Catch Creations, uh, Tung Tung Name, who's joining us on the line. And thank you for staying with us, Tung Tung. Thank you, thank you. You said you, you, your business, Catch Creations, um, you, you leave your job and you're now crossing over to, to start. You, and I, mm. I read in your bio that you, you, you started in a garage in Val. Where is Val and uh, how was that experience? So, yeah, the Val is just on the outskirts of, um, Gauteng, very close to the main town being Frenaging. Yeah. Um, yeah, the very brink of, of Gauteng, I think. That's where Val is, yeah. And, so, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Particularly, the, the location is in Mayerton, um, in the Val, which is a very local, quiet, um, yeah, town. <laughs> I don't want to say backwards, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a very small place. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And we, when you started, you left your office and you started, it was in a garage. This is what's your mom's garage where you started to mm-hmm. do your operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I traveled 50 Ks each day, um, uh, to, to the location and I started it in my mom's garage. Um, so I bought a few equipments, you know, machines to kind of get started. And I had to like hone in on my craft to understand what it really is and formulating it, I guess, into a business. But I think uh, starting out, I mean, this was a passion. And most people even say just a hobby. But I found that in the journey, it's very different now when you want to say that this thing is a business. It takes a whole lot more. To mm. actually formalize the uh, what's that the the the, the venture let yeah. me just say so so that was another lesson altogether that I had to learn and you know coming from a corporate background where you are told what to do with these guidelines and you know principles and things in place already to kind of lead you into 
um, being a success at your job. The other end of that now being an entrepreneur where you have zero business acumen mm. and you have to learn everything from the ground up and being everything all at once, wearing multiple hats, being in the business and out of the business and yeah, a journey. A journey. Yeah. You buy your first machines and you start your operation. Who's funding you? So I got a bit of money from my Provident Fund at the time that it come out. And, you know, from being at school, I kind of knew what machines to buy yeah. and how to stock up a, a workshop um, to be successful at the job. Yeah. Oh, that's good. At least there's some savings that came in there. And mm-hmm. and it's something that, you know, you wouldn't want to risk. This is your almost your entire working savings. So if you, mm. if it doesn't work, then it's, as you say, it's money down the drain. Money down the drain, <laughs> literally. Yeah, definitely. And what, what are some of the service or the products that you, you do produce? If you can just paint a vivid picture of um, what Catch Creations uh, does mm. and what it produces. So it's a twofold company in that we do joinery services in your built-in cabinet space. So things like your kitchens, your bathrooms, your wardrobes, um, the installation of that. And then the other leg of the business being that we do custom, um, aesthetically pleasing furniture pieces, which are off the rack and made to custom order. Yeah, my in my mind, I'm picturing the value chain, and and you, you let me know if I'm wrong. There's mm-hmm. production, um, there's supply, and there is installation. Right, I'm not sure what mm-hmm. you're gonna call that. Are you you part of the entire value chain from you produce, you transport your goods to your customer, and you install mm-hmm. them? Mm-hmm. Definitely from start to finish. So we're an all-in-one housing um, project institution. So from even design, um, creation of the space, so designing of the space, um, procurement of the materials, manufacturing of the products and installation, yes. And these products are custom made according to what the customer wants or you have like generic. If I walk into, you know, have you, have you seen if you walk around town and there's a furniture shop, there's already a mm-hmm. couch that has been made or a unit that has been made. The job is just for me to go in and pay and, and, and you know, take it home. Is that the kind or you get uh, custom made uh, products? So largely it's custom made, but what we're branching out into now is um, because we have experience now of what the demand is, what the market is, what functions, what works, what appeals to most people is that we also try to streamline production and have ready-made, off-the-rack, you know, ready-to-order products as well. But I think primarily the unique thing about what we're doing um, in terms of the -the off-the-rack supply is that we want to do furniture pieces that are multi-purpose and convertible. So just to briefly explain on that, so it's a multi-use product. For example, we have a chest of drawer unit that serves as a storage space, but also converts into an office station as well, where you have your pull-out desk Mm. and inserts. So we were primarily off the rack looking at multi-use products instead of just the one function furniture piece. 
that's very creative uh, and that that's that's innovation we need right um yeah you know, no, definitely yeah the three definitely. in ones you buy one thing but it comes out with three other benefits you know that yeah because we've seen that the market is moving in a place such that you know especially in Gauteng where we're situated is that there's a lot of development and we're finding that the spaces are getting smaller and smaller even though the price tag isn't mm. but you need to kind of optimize efficiency with the furniture pieces that you use and declutter the spaces. So we found that need out of experience um, to be something that, that yeah, people actually want. So yeah, we're gearing up for that. Sure. We're going to talk about, you're going to talk about your target customers a little bit mm-hmm. uh, later, but, but taking you back in your value chain is quite a number of things you do. Um, this impresses me as a uh, quite a labor-intensive kind of a work that you do, mm-hmm. labor-intensive business from the factory to the road to delivery mm-hmm. to installation. If if you may, how many number of people or how many people do you employ in uh, catch creations? So all in all, we're a permanent staff of four people and then... Um, part-time two people and then occasional workers depending on project size. All right. And so we are now, but hoping to grow obviously as we expand. All right. So the people that are on contract, you get them every time you get contract so you get work. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. And then tell me, Obviously, you did face some of the challenges. You did mention some of when you started uh, from setting up the space. But if you, you you just give us again a vivid example of some of these challenges, and most importantly, and I'll underscore this: how did you overcome them? Because most of us do have challenges, and at some point mm-hmm. we give up, and our uh, as you said our purpose is not realized because simply we couldn't handle the challenges. How did you overcome some of these challenges? So starting out, um, I think I'd say that this, I started as more of a hobby, you know, I didn't really imagine that it would grow into something that would sustain not only myself, but other people as well. But I think the mistake I had made is that I was focused um, too much on being in the business So kind of wanting to be a one-man shop where I create these things and I'm in the production line, I'm behind the scenes, you know, I'm in the front, I'm doing all of these. And in that way, it kind of stumped the growth of the business because you can't really scale it and you can't be looking for opportunities as well as working the projects themselves. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing and a big lesson I need to learn um, that just because I have passion for this thing, you know, it doesn't really mean I need to be the one who does everything in it and learning to give autonomy to people that I employ to, you know, upskill themselves as well and grow the business with me. Mm. Um, so with that, it was being able to trust. I think trust was the biggest thing. Yeah, definitely. We need <laughs> trust. Someone else from outside would understand the vision or would be as dedicated to the company as I would be. Um, that was number one. Number two, you need money to make money. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a big one, you know. 
trying to, because there were a lot of opportunities that would come, but I wouldn't be able to engage in them because of the limited resources mm. that I had. So um, money management, building business acumen and understanding how to save for growth and invest for business opportunities that would come down the line to be able to tackle those. Um, that was another thing that I needed to to learn to take the company forward. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the space as well. Oh, that was a big one because traveling 50Ks to and from every day was was quite draining. I can imagine. And not having um, the van, you know, because like I said, within the supply chain is also the delivery and transportation of these products. Yeah. Which, you know, I needed to cater for and, and finding myself paying exorbitant amounts to just create these projects and at the end of it, when you look at the bottom line, it's like, oh, this was actually a donation <laughs> to these people because <laughs> you end up with nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those Sorry, lessons, man. I mean, yeah, the pricing and costing of projects. I mean, I learned a lot. I made my mistakes, a lot of them, a lot of them. But it's part, I think, of the growth um, journey and making the mistakes at that small level are very important, I think, for when you do grow, um, when you encounter those things, you already learned your lessons and, you know, um, you can be successful later on. So, mm. so yeah, a lot of mistakes, but we've learned to get over those hurdles and grow and learn from them and, you know, yeah, make them lessons points. The, the timing of your, of your startup, it's, it's, it's quite interesting here, Tung Tung. <sighs> Um, you, you, you start, you start in 2019, right? A few months down the line, if not a year, we are told, um, there's this thing called COVID-19. We can't move. We can't do business. We can't do anything. How did you handle that one? That, that was massive. Ooh, that was massive for me. Um, yeah, so like you do say, the timing of it, yeah, 2019 start, um, start, you know, trying to get my footing, trying to see what opportunities I can get, how I can grow, mm. and then bam, COVID-19. Mm. So obviously this depends on human contact, space contact, and being able to access people physically, which COVID-19 restricted. Right. So it was a very depressing time for me. I won't lie. I mean, I think at that point, it actually did bring me to my knees because hmm. even on the personal end of things, that's where finances started to get very heavy and, you know, even led to the loss of um, our house. Mm. The loss of a car. Yes. Um, we had to now move out, downgrade, do all these crazy things just for survival. Mm. So, yeah, no, 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 a big, big stumbling block indeed. But perseverance is key and we had to persevere. And at that stage, you're not thinking, let me just forget about this catch creation. Let me just forget about PayPal's. As we no. said, it doesn't pay bills. No. Let me just go no. and get my uh, banking job back. 
Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Um, I, I don't know. I had this level of commitment to this thing. I think I could, because I knew my why of starting this thing. Yeah. And I knew what it was that I'd go back to and what it meant for me personally. I had to see it through and make sure that it's a success. So it was never an option. I mean, whatever I had to lose for it to succeed, I, I think I was willing to. It just didn't make sense because I had the love for this thing, number one, mm. and I could see what it could become. So the sacrifices I knew were momentary compared to what the end result was going to be. And I was certain that it was going to be. So no, not something I could consider. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't tap into some of the facilities that government has made, made available at the time. I remember there was some uh, small business uh, facility that government has joined hands with the banks to support you guys. You didn't uh, tap into that? No, I had not. So I think as well, like I said, operating in my small little bubble where I'm not even part of an entrepreneurship um, community, I don't have a mentor, mm. I'm not part of any programs or reaching out for any resources, you just feel like it's yours and it's yours alone. You know, the baby is yours to carry and yours to feed and make a success. It, it it was it was very close though for me. So those were some of the other things that I had to learn, like I said, to get out of the mindset of needing to be in the business for it to be a business and try to be on the business and about the business more and take a strategic role to tap into those resources and you know use those lifelines. At the time, no, it was not something I even thought to look at. So, yeah. Tung Tung Naming, who's a founder and a director, I suppose, at the Catch Creations. They are all about creating good carpentry work and uh, giving out to um, the world their beautiful products. You can see them out there. She'll tell us more about how we access those products. Uh, we're going to go to a break, Tung Tung. And uh, when we return, we'll uh, continue this very inspiring conversation, I should add. Um, just stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. We should be back right after this. Hi, this is Mane, and you're listening to Ubuntu Radio. What is Africa? Is it the wildlife, the beautiful coasts, thriving cities? It is more than that. It is the people. Our 55 countries have many things in common. Our cultures bind us together. They give us strength and identity. They make us proud. By sharing our knowledge and working together, we're building a new Africa that's driven by investments, by game-changing infrastructure projects, and using transformative technology to change the way we live, work, and conduct business. Using our largest natural resource, our vast arable land, we are making advances in agriculture, developing new industries, creating jobs and improving livelihoods. Together, we are moving forward on economic integration. 
by consolidating Africa's significant internal market to foster trade within the continent and with the world, Africa is open for business. We are building the Africa we want. So, what is the continent of the future? The answer is Africa. There's a word in South Africa. Ubuntu, Ubuntu, Ubuntu Radio, Ubuntu Radio. A better South Africa, a better Africa, and a better world. Welcome back to the midday conversation with myself, Vusi Maupa, on the Ubuntu Radio, South Africa's public diplomacy in action. As we said, we are available online at www.ubunturadio.com. Otherwise, uh, catch us on DSTV channel 3.8. And this segment of the show is called The Selling Point. We are on every Friday um, from 12, uh, that's noon. Uh, we have a very interesting guest that we normally talk to. And today is not different. We have a very inspiring conversation we're having here with Tung uh, uh, Tung Naming, who is the founder of Catch Creations. Tung Tung, once again, thank you for staying with us and uh, this beautiful conversation. I'm loving it so far. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> now let's step a little bit, um, a step ahead and, and talk about your customers. Uh, who who are your customers, Tung Tung? Who do you target uh, with some of the products that you do produce? So primarily we're operating within the residential space. So for residential joinery, built-in cupboards installations. Um, but we're also now catering towards the corporate and hospitality industry with the customized furniture pieces um, yeah, so essentially we span across the big, vast area of the carpentry industry. Yeah. And how, how do you reach these, for example, how do you reach the hospitality a hotel or, you know, something around hospitality? How do they know that you are there? You can serve mm-hmm. them uh, or you can serve their customized needs. So the biggest thing is to be um, part of, vendor platforms within the procurement of these different corporate and hospitality spaces. So it's quite different to how you would work your residential market um, in that you need to be vetted, you need to have um, corporate presence and projects and work that you've done and more like a tendering, a bidding process that you go through with them for procurement of, of contracts. Success depends on how you define one, right? Um, mm-hmm. From the conversation that we just had from the beginning on how you started in the garage, the challenges you faced during COVID, uh, having to lose money and, and all that, uh, traveling, traveling 50 Ks or 50 kilometers to your business operation, uh, to where you are today, where you have the American embassy um, being part of the one of the uh, partners, including the Daiki Apparel, uh, being some part mm-hmm. of the partners. To me, this is success. All right, if you agree with me, uh, what 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 would you consider to be some of the key factors that contributed to your business success? To have uh, the success that I've just mentioned there, both um, in your online presence, whilst you. 
um, maintain your physical presence there in Boxbeck? I think key from my corporate experience is that because I worked a lot with um, business worlds or corporates and a bit on the individual side of things, is that people buy into you as a person. Right. So what comes after that is the product or services that you sell, but putting yourself, being empathetic to what they need or listening and really trying to solve the problem that they have is key. And it's, I think, the first thing in in establishing relationships because a lot of times is the options are so vast and there's a lot of suppliers that you can choose. But the relationship or the rapport that you build with your clients is very key in in procuring the business. Mm. So um, that's, I think, what has led to my success within the space that I'm playing in. So I guess it's not six years wasted. <laughs> not <laughs> not at all. <laughs> the stage set up for my next life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is definitely, it's a very huge market in as far as customers mm. are concerned, but it's very it's a skilled. You need to be skilled for you to do what you, what cash mm. creations does. Um, there, there are some people that are skilled as you are and probably doing the same or similar things that you guys are doing there. H- how do you get efficient, still reach these customers, maintain them, retain them, create these relations with the American embassies of this world um, whilst you have competition that is also operating in the same space? How do you become efficient in doing so? So it's firstly getting out of your head and moving out of your bubble so alluding to the thing I had said before, the relationships, the networks that you build, having your 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 business, your your what's that, your product offerings and services at the forefront of who you are when you present yourself. And I know a lot of people don't believe in luck, but I really do think entrepreneurship luck plays a very, very big role. I mean, like you say, there's people that can be skilled, that can have their ducks in the row and everything right, Mm. but not be able to link up to the opportunities that they can, you know? And what do they say luck is? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. So being prepared for that big opportunity, for that break is very key and holding form um, to who you are in the business and presenting yourself as a professional person. I mean, people buy into you and can they trust you? Can they trust that the work that you will do is one of a high quality standard? So make your mistakes and make them at a low level before you (laughs) obviously engage with those big clients because there is no room for error. And, And yeah, pursue and move forward and, you know, persevere in it. And if you are becoming a bit specific here, Tung Tung, I'm a starting business person or aspiring entrepreneur in your space. I need advice on or tips on how do I enhance my marketing, uh, sales Mm -hmm. and customer service to mention but a few. What -hmm. do you say to me? Um, we live, we live in a very digital world. I think in my space, primarily in the furniture space, 
aesthetics are everything. So mm. you don't sell a product, you sell what the product represents, what the emotive effect of your product is. Right. Um, so, so those things need to be at the forefront as well. Yes, have the skill. Yes, have the craft, but build a lot on your business acumen. Um, I think it's, it's very, difficult primarily if you're like a skilled carpenter if that was the origins of who you are as a business and all these other things just seem like so far out and above your head where you just know how to design cut make the product but i found that yeah it's not enough and that's not where success comes from you need to be able to sell it be able to position it you know if it's not you that does it, find people that can and that do it well, that can tell the story of your business, you know, the way you, you imagine it to be um, received in, in the market. A lot of skilled people around you, um, upskill yourself as well, build a strong foundation of entrepreneurship and push a good service and product out there in the market and it sticks. I, I liked I liked the idea that what what you mentioned briefly there that sometimes you can use these artistic kind of adventure to tell stories. Um, mm-hmm. is, is, can you take it as a form of, of a form of expression whilst you don't lose the crux of, of the business? Mm-hmm. True, true, very well. Because these spaces, if you imagine it, I think there is no space that carpentry doesn't feature. Mm. Even where you are right now sitting, there is a cabinet, there's a table, there's <laughs> Most definitely. everything. Yeah. You know? So moving it past beyond a level of a necessity or a product that I just need, um, give it a feeling of experiencing you know, the product in a different way. Like I said, with um, the unique selling proposition products that we're now venturing into, it's not just a drawer storage unit. It's a space that can become an office. It's a space that can be aesthetically pleasing and elevating in the room, you know, just, just elevate what the product is in terms of giving it meaning and uh, an emotive connection with your clients. So, so it's very critical in, within that space. It's not just about function. Most definitely. And Ting Ting, as we close, we would like to ask you guys, because you are experienced, you are in business, we just want to get a sense of um, your thoughts here. And I'm going to ask you three questions, which is a quiz. Uh, you give me between the scale of one to ten, one being uh, bad, a ten being excellent, or, or you know uh, something on the higher end of of great things. Uh, so, in your view, what's the outlook of doing business in Africa in the scale of one to ten? A large part of Africa, I think they they term as what a developing country. Yeah. And developing means there's room for a lot of growth, a lot of opportunities, a lot of untapped skills and resources. So doing business in Africa, I think, is the best place to actually do business because of the opportunities that lie there. 
and the room for growth. So out of 10, I'll give us an eight because mm. we're not really harnessing all the resources that much, but definitely 10. Thank you. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. That's good. And uh, when you look at how things are, uh, Ting Ting, what's your sense of the outlook of uh, our economic growth? I know you do contribute uh, in a smaller or larger part in the economic growth, but what's your sense of the economic growth in the country, uh, South Africa, in a scale of one to ten? Sure, that's terrific. Uh, on the onset of what the economic um, stance is right now with load shading and this and that and oh it's it's quite tough it's quite tough but I think we can rally we can rally and just you know have an upward trajectory of, of improving the space in which we do business in so I think out of 10 I'll, I'll give us a six. <laughs> I'll give us a six. That's an average. It's yeah. Not bad. <laughs> no, no, it's a pass. But there's there's still a lot that needs to be done. I mean, there's a lot of red tape around entrance to markets mm. and doing business, and there's a lot of support that SMEs need. Um, so, so I'll give us a six. We're, we're right. working towards it. We're getting there, but not yet. You fully understand. Yeah. And uh, finally, you're a small business and you probably interacted with, a te- with uh, the, you know, technology or two as you do in your space. What's your sense on the outlook of digital transformation for small businesses in South Africa? Oh, it's, it's the future. Like there's no denying it. I mean, with the dawn of AI, and social media, I mean... Most people don't even need to leave their houses or their spaces to mm. acquire services and products and engage with the world. The outlook is, is it's bright. It's, it's the future. It's big. So are we still scaling that as well out of 10? <laughs> you can. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's 10. It's, it's everything. It's everything, honestly. Yeah. That's Tung Tung Naming, the owner and founder of Cash Creations. And Tung Tung, those that want to get in touch with you, perhaps want to get products from you, um, how should they go about that? We're on the socials. Um, we have an online store as well. So our links are all at Cash Creations. Um, and then, yeah, we're ready for business. Do you guys have uh, any physical store people should go in? Yeah, no, 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 not as yet. Yeah. Um, we just have an online store, um, which is at catchcopcreation.co.za. Um, but that's still, um, we're revamping that. So for now, it is under works, but soon we will be yeah, ready to relaunch and have our products available there again. But on the socials as well, anything that they need, we are there. Catch Creations. Tung Tung Naming Catch Creations. Thank you so much for being with us and being our guest in such a very inspiring conversation that we just had. 
Thank you so much, Lucy. I truly appreciate the opportunity. Fantastic conversation. Great stuff. Uh, there you go. You must uh, enjoy your weekend and we're looking forward to seeing some of your products. Uh, visiting our uh, bedrooms, uh, dining rooms, what, where else? Uh, anywhere that we everywhere. know for that. Yes. yes. Uh, we can't your wait. spaces everywhere. Yeah, we can't <laughs> wait. Thank you so much and uh, uh, you've been a fantastic Thank guest. Thank you, Lucy. Great you stuff. Too. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, that was uh, Tung Tung Naming, the owner and the founder of Cash Creations. Uh